Um, we're starting a new series called This Is Us. How many of you have heard of the TV show? Heard of the TV show? Yes. Okay. I don't know where you were last week because only about 10 of you did. I don't know if you all watched it this week or how many of you watched it this week? It's okay. It's not confession time. Nobody watched it this week? Really? Nobody? Come on. How many of you watched it this week? You don't want to admit it? All right. I'm not endorsing the show. I'm not saying that. But it is interesting to me that this show is a runaway hit, 18 million viewers, uh, the first time NBC has had a number one show in 13 years. And it's because it strikes at um, how real and complicated relationships can be. And so that's what this series is about. It's about real relationships. So that's what we're going to talk about. Now, I need your help, uh, other than if you can lend to me your voice. I need your help that the last sermon in this series is going to be a question and answer time. And so this week, I'm going to send you an email, and I'm going to ask you to send me your questions about family, about relationships, about marriage, about parenting, any questions in those categories, I want to ask you to send me this week uh, because on May 21st, we're going to be answering those questions. And so um, that email will go out Tuesday or Wednesday. If, if you don't generally get those kinds of updates from us, but you want, you want that update, um, we've got a place you can uh, text on the screen. Just text UPDATE. 205-900-3221. We'll send you a link. You'll give us your email address, and you'll get emails like those from us. You, you won't get a bunch, uh, probably not even one a week, but it'll, it's a way we can stay in touch with you and update you on the things that are going on uh, here at Kingwood. So send me your questions. We're going to be answering your questions that day, or we're going to be trying to. How many of you in the last year or ever bought a song online? How many of you have ever bought a song online? Really? Like most of you have bought a song online. Now, if I'm honest, that freaks me out a little bit because I can be listening to a song and go, oh, I like that, and push a button and I own it. Does that freak anybody else out? Like children of the 80s, are you here? Does that freak you out at all? Because like that is not how we used to do music uh, when I was a kid. How many of you remember back in the day um, how we used to do music? When we heard a song we liked, how many of you remember if the DJ forgot to tell you the name of the song, you're out? Remember that? Remember? And you remember they used to have this thing called a radio. Now, nobody knows what it is anymore. You would listen to the song on the radio. You would hope to get the title. If you didn't get it, you had to go to this place called a music store. It's not on an app. It's an actual brick-and-mortar location. You show up, and you make an idiot of yourself trying to hum a song. You know, Bruce Springsteen, born in the USA. Yes, yes, how did you know that? And then you buy the song. Anybody remember that? How many of you remember that? Yes? Well, I don't, I don't know if you realize this or not, but um, uh, we used to get those little things at the music store called a record. And you would go home and put it in your bedroom and you'd play it and you'd put your tape recorder up as close as you could to it and pray nobody walked in the door until you got it recorded so you could take the tape and play it other places. Anybody? 
It's before copyright laws. No, not really. We actually had copyright laws. We just all broke them. Now, we don't do that anymore because there's an app for that, right? We've gotten used to having things instantly. Microwave oven used to take 50 minutes to cook a chicken pot pie. Now it takes seven, and most of us stare at it and go, this is taking way too long. Why well, won't this, like I got stuff to do. Family pictures. We used to have something called a camera. We don't have cameras anymore. They're built into your phone. If you were born after 1995, you don't realize that. But we used to have cameras, and we would take photos. And then you would take something out of the back called film. Remember this? Come on now, somebody. We'd take film, and we'd take it over to the drugstore. Now, if you weren't around then, you're trying to figure out what drugs has to do with cameras. I don't know. How many of you called it the drugstore? Yes, the drugstore. Hey, run those down to the drugstore, get them developed. They'd ship them off to a lab, who knows where. I never met anybody that worked at one. For two or three weeks, you'd wait on them to come back. And then they had this incredible invention called duplicates. Remember this? Oh, I have a copy and you have a copy. And you'd pack them into an envelope, you'd send them to grandma, and about the time your kids graduated high school, she'd see what they looked like when they were four. Remember that? Yes. Well, that, that's the way everything used to work. How many of you think, um, how, many, how many of you first off remember those days? Okay. Now, you all take pictures on your phone, and the truth is you take so many, some of your phones have no memory left, and you've burnt the cloud up because you got so many pictures on it. Come on. Point at somebody that's done it. Point at somebody that's done it. Yes, that's right. You're here. I know you're here. How many of you would agree we're a little spoiled by technology? Hmm? It makes us want things instantly. Well, the Bible was written 2,000 years ago, and it, it didn't take into account the speed of technology. So most of the things you hear about from the Bible are about agriculture, fishing, walking, slow things, things that took a long time because that's the way everything worked then. So it's hard for us to bridge the gap into a lot of what the Bible has to say because we don't understand the metaphors of the Bible because we don't live that way anymore. But I bet there's enough of it left we can get it. How many of you, uh, you're gardeners and you've ever planted, even like a third grade science experiment, you've ever planted a seed, you've planted anything in your life, you've ever planted something. Oh yeah, we're in Alabama, right? This is New York City. Almost everybody has tried to plant something. Well, um, if you take a tomato seed and plant it, how many of you know you don't have fruit immediately, right? It takes time. I remember one year my dad decided that he was going to really kill tomatoes. He was like going to end the game. And because we'd always have tomatoes and then there'd be no tomatoes. And he said, I'm going to fix this. He planted, if those of you ever garden, you're going to realize how bad this is. He planted 20 tomato plants. Three weeks later, he planted 20 more. Three weeks later, he planted 20 more. We had 60 tomato plants. And somehow it got all messed up and they started coming in at the same time. And we would go out. How many of you remember um, paper sacks at the grocery store? Yeah, we'd have to double them, and, and we would have a paper bag full of tomatoes 
every day for weeks. We were throwing them at each other. We were painting stuff with them. We were giving them away. But if you put a seed in the ground, you have to wait a little while before something happens. We water it. We take care of it. We pull the weeds away. And eventually, it breaks through the surface of the ground. A tomato plant, you can, I got a picture of a tomato plant in this room. So a tomato plant takes 40 to 50 days to produce fruit. It will produce between 20 and 30 pounds of tomatoes per plant. So the deal is you get more out of it than you put into it if you plant the seed and take care of it. So here's the thought this morning if you want to write something down. Great relationships have everything to do with what I sow into the relationship. So you, you understand what the word sowing means. It means planting a seed. Great relationships have everything to do with what I sow into the relationship. Anybody can say, I want to have a great marriage. Anybody can say that. But marriage is tough. Relationships are tough. Relationships are very difficult. We're so used to having quick answers, you know, we want an app to fix our relationships, right? Anybody found an app that'll fix your relationship yet? I found some that'll break them. Never found any that'll fix them. Can you just imagine if we had a, uh, can you fix my spouse app? Everybody download it, right? Just push that button and point it at them. Fix them. Everybody wants a silver bullet. Everybody wants a magic prayer. If I said today, if you'll just pray this five times every morning over your spouse, it will fix it. Do you know how many people here this morning would take a magic prayer and they'd pray it over their spouse every day five times if they thought that's what would fix it? Because we want quick solutions. But great relationships have everything to do with what you sow into the relationship. So this morning I want to ask you, what are you sowing into the relationships you have? Look at Galatians chapter 6. Galatians 6 says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, if you're honest, you don't have to raise your hand. Too many of us view this as the punishment passage. You're going to get what you deserve. You're going to get what's coming to you. But this morning, I want you to try to see it as the promise passage. If you sow good things, you will reap good things. If you plant good things, you will reap good things. So this morning, every relationship... Uh, has to do with four things. If you have something to write with, I really want to encourage you to write these down. You probably will even remember most of them, but I want to encourage you to write them down. It doesn't matter if we're talking about marriage, if we're talking about parenting, if we're talking about um, our relationship with our parents, if it's friendship. It doesn't matter what relationship we're talking about. I'll use marriage as the, as the way we apply it, but it applies to everything. Number one, Relationships have to do 
with disappointment. Right? Now, don't raise your hand. Please, please do not raise your hand. But I just want to say, every man in this room has been disappointed with his wife at some point. If you're married. Now, there are those of you who say, oh, no, I never have. It's because you've been married three days. That's going to pass. Right? Guys, you, you know, you have one of those moments that you say, hey, maybe this is going to be one of those nights. Down, down, down. One of those nights. Just didn't know if you knew. Your parents would love to explain that to you after service. I'll let them explain that to you. And it turns out to be one of, one of those nights. Like, why do we have to fight tonight? And, and ladies, how many of you have ever been disappointed in a man? Now, I just need to make a little preference statement here. Most men don't try to be jerks. It just comes natural. <laughs> need you to know that. We don't do it on purpose. You're always looking for the inner motive. And how did they mean that? And why did they ask? And when are they going to think of me? And why did they do something or say something? And I can tell you the answer. Most of the time, it's not because we're evil. It's because we're oblivious. We don't got a clue what's going on around us. And you got to hit us in the face with an airplane before we realize what's going on. But here's the thing. Disappointment is the gap between what I expect and what I experience. Disappointment is the gap between what I expect and what I experience. So here's the story where I, where I want to show you what happened in a couple's life in Scripture. Look at Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. So let's set the scene. Zechariah and Elizabeth were good people. They were good people. These were good people. They were from a good family. In the ancient world, marriages were arranged. And so these marriages were most likely arranged. And these two people had come from good families who had picked each other, made an agreement, arranged the marriage. And marriage was seen primarily for the purpose of having children primarily sons, so the family name could go on. When a couple couldn't have a baby, there was oftentimes a stigma attached to the wife. It was a thing of shame and guilt and something must be wrong with her and why, why can't she have children. But here's what I want you to see. These are two great families. They're great people. They've done everything right. They've done it right. And they only want one thing out of life and they only want one thing from God and it's a child and they can't have a child do you think they were disappointed I, I, I just wanted to say as I was preparing this message I thought about those of you who have struggled with infertility and my heart goes out to you and I just wanted to say today to you we acknowledge your silent suffering 
And what you're facing, what you struggle through, isn't new. You know, people have been struggling with this for thousands and thousands of years. I don't come with a lot of answers today, but I just come to say to you, thank God, here are two people in the scripture who, who knew what that battle felt like for a long, long time. And God knows what your battle is. And he wants to help you today. And I just wanted to say that to you. If you just keep following God, somehow, some way, you'll end up where he wants you to go. Now, do you think Zechariah may have been disappointed with Elizabeth at times? Do you think he ever said or thought, I married the wrong woman? This is her fault. If I would have married somebody different, I'd have a son right now. We would have grandchildren by now. You know, uh, things would be different. She would have given me a son. The temptation for Zechariah was to take out his disappointment on Elizabeth because that's what we do to the people we love the most. When we're disappointed, we take it out on them. We don't take it out on the people out there somewhere. We take it out on the people closest to us. Do you think Elizabeth may have been disappointed in Zechariah? Maybe she thought, hey, this isn't my problem. This is your problem. Why, why aren't we having kids? Maybe it's your fault. What if they would have just gotten into the blame game? What if they would have just attacked each other and focused their disappointment with God on each other? Do you think this marriage would have lasted? Of course not. See, here's the thing. The devil wants you to focus on your disappointments in each other. He wants you to focus on it. He wants to make it bigger than it is. He wants to exaggerate it. He wants you to tear each other down. He wants you to go all in on how disappointed you are in your spouse. And if you get those disappointments stuck on replay over and over and over and over, you're gonna continue to sow disappointment into your marriage and you will continue to reap disappointment from your marriage. So you have to sow something different if you want to reap something different. There's nothing your spouse can do if you're sowing disappointment. I don't, I don't know what's happened in the past, but can we just today say from this day forward, I'm gonna try to begin to sow belief in you instead of disappointment in you and just see if you might reap something different. It would change the way you relate to each other. So disappointment. Here's the second thing that you see in relationships and marriage. Dedication. Let, let me just give you some pictures of what I think dedication uh, looks like. Look, look at this little guy. Would you call that dedication, right? Obviously, like this little child is no match for these stairs. But do you think he's given up? No. All right, let me give you another one. There you go. This guy's dribbling two basketballs. Like he's all in, isn't he? It's a great picture of dedication. Here's another one. Anybody remember that catch? Anybody remember that? From the Super Bowl when the Patriots lost? When the Patriots lost? 
we were at Disney World, and, and we just came back from the parks all day, caught the second half of the Super Bowl, and I said, they are done, it's over, and Eli Manning backs up, throws this crazy pass, should have been tackled 18 times, and Tyree catches this ball and pins it between his glove and his helmet and kept the drive alive, and they upset the Patriots and won the Super Bowl. I just threw that in for fun. Okay, here's another one. Look at this guy. This guy has no arms. And he's learned to master ping pong. And he does it with his mouth. Man, dedication. Dedication. That's incredible. What's amazing to me is Zachariah and Elizabeth, somehow through their disappointment in each other, remained dedicated to God and dedicated to each other. I promise you, focusing on disappointment will, uh, will eventually bring destruction. If you keep sowing it, you're going to keep reaping it. I remember um, when my wife and I lived in Florida. We had been married maybe three or four years. And I went over to visit this elderly couple. And somebody told me before they go visit, you know, they're both like 90, 90 early 90s. They live at home, they take care of each other, and I don't remember why I was going. I went over to visit, and I walked in, and as I walk in, um, you know, they greet me, and we're talking about, and they're just bantering back and forth with each other. They're just, they're just griping at each other. Just, and they've probably been married like 70 years, right? And they hadn't gotten this wrinkle ironed out yet. And I mean, the whole time I'm there, he's complaining. I don't know why, when she's going to stop doing blah, 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 blah. Just complaining, complaining. She said, well, you just be quiet. What you saying over there? You know? And I thought, good, good. I'm young. I've been married a few years. And I'm thinking, Whew, this is heavy. And I'm walking through the house. And it just reminded me. And I don't know, maybe God even spoke to me. I watched them and I said, you know, there's this. There's this thing that my wife and I disagree over, and it's become painful, and we just keep butting heads about it. And I kept looking at this couple thinking, I don't want to be them. Like, are, are, we, are she and I really at 90 still going to be arguing about this? Because what they were arguing about was petty. And neither one of them would give up. Neither one of them would give in. And they just kept sowing that stuff into each other. And they kept reaping it from each other. And I left there, and I, it shocked me. It shook me. And I said, God, you got to help me. i got to give up on this thing. I can't stand in there and fight about this till I'm 90. This is terrible. And it made a huge impact on my life because I didn't want to be them. So I had to learn to start to sow something different into my own marriage. I promise you, if you focus on your disappointment in each other too long, too much, the day will come you don't even like each other anymore. You won't even like to look at each other anymore. You will reap what you sow. Now for some reason, Zechariah and Elizabeth were dedicated to God. Luke chapter 1, verse 8. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving. Look at that. He was serving as a priest. Now just stop right there. Zechariah could have said, God, why am I even serving you? 
I've only ever asked you for one thing. I want a son. So why am I even serving you? You haven't even given me the one thing I wanted. You're not even helping me with this disappointment. All I wanted was a son. Is it that difficult? Everybody around me has kids. But Zachariah's dedication to God was not predicated on what God was doing for him. This is very, very important that you get this. Here's what dedication is. When I'm committed to God because of who he is, not because of what he's doing for me. When I'm committed to God because of who he is, not because of what he's doing for me. Even though I don't have everything I want, or maybe even everything I think I need, I will not turn my back on him. That's what dedication is. Verse 9. He was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, look at this, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Isn't this interesting? Zechariah's going in to serve, and all this assembly is outside praying for him. Can I just tell you something? When you're struggling in your relationship, there's very little more powerful than turning to someone you trust and letting them pray with you and for you. It's powerful. And you may say, but who, who is that? Well, I want to offer this to you today. If you don't have those relationships in your life, it's very hard to wait until you hit a crisis to start building them. And so I want to offer this to you. Every semester, three times a year, we have marriage life groups in our church. Two or three or four, sometimes even five groups that meet for about two months or three months, once every week or two, and focus on marriage. Couples come together. On your info guide, on the back, there's a little place that says, the next time you have a marriage life group, would you just let me know about it? Would you just remind me? If you want to tear that off today, on your way out, just drop it in the box in the foyer at the Welcome Center because in summer, we'll have some marriage life groups. In the fall, we'll have some marriage life groups. And I want to encourage you to build those relationships because they will be a blessing to you. Now, I love that they're dedicated through all this. But the truth is, it's a lot easier to talk about dedication than it is to be dedicated. You're going to have some, as a, as in marriage, in relationship, you're going to have some wow days. And you're going to have some vow days. And there's some days you say, I promised, didn't I? I'm here because I promised. And the truth is, it's the only reason. But what if you sow dedication. What do you think that you will then reap from that relationship? Zechariah says, I don't understand you, God. I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand what's going on with my spouse, but I trust you. Instead of blaming him, instead of blaming her, I want to dedicate myself to you, and I'm going to sow, we're going to sow ourselves out of this problem. Verse 11. Now, this is a really interesting part of the story. So an angel of the Lord appeared, standing at the right side of the altar. 
Zechariah saw him, and he was gripped by fear. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Look at this. Look at this phrase. Look at this phrase. Your prayer has been heard. What, what, what prayer? Your wife will bear a son, and you'll call him John. Can you believe this? This scripture says that this couple is, is thought by everybody around them to be too old to have a child. They thought they were too old. Their friends thought they were too old. Their family thought they were too old. The community thought they were too old. But they're still praying for the impossible. And God responds. So today, if you're here today and you're struggling in your marriage, maybe nothing today will change but your perspective. But instead of looking at your spouse through the eyes of condemnation, look at them through the eyes of compassion and say, I haven't walked in your shoes, but I'm going to sow something different in your life and see what happens. God always answers prayer in his time. Disappointment, dedication, here's the third one, doubt. Now, here's what I know. There's some people in the room today that you're naturally skeptical. You're naturally skeptical, right? Uh, I would ask you to raise your hand, but you'd be skeptical of the reason that I ask you to raise your hand. Say, so why do you want to know that? So maybe you're skeptical about you know, this sowing thing. Maybe you're skeptical about prayer. Maybe you're skeptical about God or church or the Bible. Or, or maybe even you're skeptical if there is anything that can help you in your relationship. But look, doubt is a natural part of marriage. I didn't say it's a good part. It's a natural part. Everybody has doubts. Zechariah is talking to an angel Probably something he's never done before. And what do you think surfaces? Doubt. Look at verse 18. Zechariah asked the angel, hey, how can I be sure? I, I, don't, I don't know if you read the Bible the same way that I do. It is so funny to me in places. How can I be sure? Time out. I know you're an angel. I know God sent you. Like I'm not in the habit of talking to angels. And probably have never seen one in my life. But God sent you to tell me this, but I've got a question. How do I know this is right? <laughs> well, because an angel told you. <laughs> so he wants a sign from God. Now, if you're Gabriel, how do you feel about this? Come on, man. Gabriel. He didn't send one of the little angels. He sent a big angel. Zechariah doubted. Listen to this. Zechariah doubted the word of God 2,000 years ago. And I bet if Zechariah doubted the word of God, we have some people here this morning doubting whether or not God's word will work in their marriage. It's the same thing. I doubt this will help. I doubt anything's going to get better. But what will happen? What will happen if you sow doubt? You're going to reap doubt. Verse 19, the angel said to him, hey, hey, I'm Gabriel. Look it up. Google it. I stand in the presence of God. Like, you, you want my credentials? 
I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news, you hardhead. Look, and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the appointed time. I've got a question for you this morning. If you are at a place of silence in your relationship or you are at a place you are stuck in your relationship, just a question, is it possible it might be because you didn't take God at his word? Is that possible? That's what happened here. What if we stopped trying to fix each other? What if we in our closest relationships said, look, you're never going to be who I want you to be, and I'm never going to be who, who you want me to be. We're both broken. Why don't we just be broken together and love each other the way we are? Whew. Do you think that would change something? I think you're starting to sow something different then. Here's the last point. Decision. Decision. I remember um, when our boys were little, our boys are four years apart, and when they were little, we stopped by the zip line uh, course over in Georgia on the way to vacation. And they had four levels, and, and I'd never been on a zip line before. And we got up there, and they strap all this stuff to you. And when you start walking on the planks, and you look down, and there's about a 100-foot drop, you know... If you have any fear of heights, it's coming right there. I mean, you're going to feel it. And we're up walking this thing, and it's shaky, and I went, man, and I don't care how much junk they got attached to you. Your brain is screaming at you. You're going to die. It's the way it is. <coughs> and so they had this um, four levels. We did one and two. And there's this one called the Screaming Eagle. The scream eagle. Because when they let you go, the people would generally scream so loud down that you thought they were going to die. They're just screaming, shh, coming through. And our boy said, hey, Dad, can we do that one? I said, no, 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 no. Listen, we, don't, we already paid for this too. We don't have the money to do that. We don't have time. We've got to get to vacation. And secretly I was saying, I'm never doing that one. How many of you ever tell your kids next time when, when it really means never? <laughs> hey, we'll do that next time. Come on now. We'll do that next time. Right? Hey, we'll do that next time. I couldn't foresee a time that I would ever go back there. But there was. <laughs> Last spring break, we went back. And, and you know what? They had not forgotten memory like an elephant. Hey, Dad, can we do Well, I was sort of thinking that we would do, you know, no, 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 we'll do this one. We'll do this one. And I go inside, and I hear them talk about it. This is the highest timber pole tower in the world. That's true. With a half-mile zip line coming off of it. And here's how they describe it in the literature. It's like stepping off a 30-story building. And I look over across the treetops, 
and they point at it and say, there it is. There's a mountain, and there's these giant tall trees, and there's a structure sticking above all the trees that looks like it has clouds around the top, and that's it. <laughs> and I said, no. <laughs> just started crying. I don't want to. So I just had to be honest. I don't want to. Come on, Daddy, you chicken. Okay, all right, now look. You can't challenge a guy's manhood, right? You can't. So I had to make this decision. And I, and I just said, take the money quickly, quickly, quickly take the money before I change my mind. And we scaled that thing and we did it. And it was, you know, frighteningly awesome in a way. Everything you could feel, we felt it all at once. But look, here's the thing about it. You come to a point that, that you have to make a decision. And that's what I love about Zechariah and Elizabeth. They'd made a decision to take God at his word. And they made a decision to say, we're going to believe what we've heard. And we're going to apply it. Verse 21, meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, wondering why he stayed in the temple so long. When he came out, he couldn't speak. This is funny to me, too. They realized he'd seen a vision in the temple. He kept making signs. wonder what that looked like. <laughs> Can you imagine? What was this? He couldn't talk. Verse 23, when his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. Okay, here's the question I got. What did God promise they were going to have? A baby. I've got a very simple question. Don't be offended by it. Biologically, do we know how this happens? Now, there are some families I wonder because they just keep having kids. But biologically, do we know what causes this? But the Bible says they were too old to have kids. But he went home and they conceived. Somebody took God at his word. Somebody believed God. This was impossible. Every thought, thought so. I heard somebody say it this way once. Supernatural is when God puts his super on your natural. Supernatural is when God puts his super on your natural. If you don't take God at his word in the natural, then you'll never have the supernatural. What would happen in your relationship if you took God at his word and you say, I will sow good seed and God will move? Verse 25, and this is it. Elizabeth said, look what Elizabeth said. Not Zechariah is my knight in shining armor. What did she say? The Lord has done this for me. <laughs> the Lord has done this for me. Only God can take a mess and make a miracle. So this morning, I pray that the healing process would begin. I pray for those of you that are stuck somewhere that you will begin to become unstuck that the relationship will
begin to flourish again grow strong God's grace will fill your life and you'll begin to sow out of belief rather than doubt you begin to believe God again so this morning I want to ask you to pray for the couple this morning who's barely hanging on today we want to pray with you for the spouse that's here by yourself because your spouse won't come we want to pray we want to pray for you for the divorced person who needs to know you are not what you did and you are not what has been done to you but God has hope for you today for the single person who says I'm stuck in my journey of singleness we want to pray for you and for those of you who've just been too tough on each other we want to pray for you so this morning we want to have a time of prayer with everybody seated I want to ask our prayer team if you'd come and, and here's what I'm going to do I want to talk to you you say are you going to ask me to come and let someone pray with me yes and here's why because we talked about dedication do you really think Elizabeth and Zechariah were dedicated in their own power no you can't do dedication by yourselves you need God's power you need his grace and strength and if you reach out for it in the natural he'll put the supernatural on it and things will start to change and the old habits will start to change and the old sowing will turn into better sowing and better reaping but if you had the power to do it on your own let's face it you'd already done it you can't be a good enough spouse you can't be a good enough friend by yourself you need God's grace and so that's what we're going to pray about today and I'm going to ask you to, to pray it's always the husband it's always the husband that doesn't want to come for prayer because you think when you do you lose something but I want to tell you, you gain something. Every time in my life I've been vulnerable and thought I would grow weaker, I grew stronger. And the people around me helped me more than I thought they could. So this morning, as my wife and I stand here, do you think that we've had some disappointments? Do you think we've had some doubts? Oh yeah, oh yeah. And do you think we've been able to be dedicated through it just because we're strong? No. By God's grace. 
today we stand. And I just want to say to you, if God can help us in this marriage, He can help you in your relationship. But you have to give Him your natural so that He can add the supernatural. Would you stand with me? Every eye closed. And I just want you to do this. I'm sorry I've struggled so hard with my voice today, but I believe that God has a message that He's put in your heart. And today, if you're stuck somewhere, it might be in your relationship with God. That might be it. You're stuck somewhere. Marriage, singleness, relationship with God, maybe relationship with your teenager or your parents. I'm not going to pull it out. With every eye closed, I just want you to come for prayer right now. I want you to come right now. I want you to come right now. Come right now. Come right now. Come on. Come on. Take a step of healing. Come right now. Come right now. And just, who cares? Who cares what anybody thinks? Who cares? God is for you. And He loves you. And He wants to minister grace to you. Come right now. Come right now. Come right now.